Welcome to the City Collective Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Well, this morning we're going to be hearing from a few different voices in our community. Uh, we are, as I mentioned, at the beginning of our, of our third week of 21 Days of Prayer. And it's been wonderful to lean in over this, over the season. And we've been talking about relationships, relationship with God, relationship with others, and relationship with ourselves. And the series itself is called It's Complicated because I think we can all agree that relationships are incredibly complicated. It doesn't matter what avenue we're looking at. And so we wanted to hear from some different individuals in our community. And we're, we're asking the, the question this morning and we're, we're dealing with the idea through our relationship with God, how does that really transform our lives? And so for, for those who are sharing this morning, uh, they're considering the idea of how has my relationship with myself been impacted by my relationship with God? And so I hope that as they share that our hearts and our minds can be open uh, to, to receive what, what might be in store for us. And in this season of prayer, it's been, it's been meaningful to hear just what God's been doing in the lives of those who have been able to lean in and take time to, to pray and fast. And even later this week, on, on the 2nd, we're going to be having a, a night of, of prayer and worship together. So uh, I would invite you, we're going to be hearing from them, um, and we're going to ask Rochelle to lead us off. And let's welcome Rochelle as she comes to share. Hello, my City Collective family. My name is Rochelle. I'm really excited and honored to be here with you guys today to share what God's been teaching me in my life recently. I've been learning a lot about self-compassion and accepting God's love in my life more freely. And God's also challenged me to ask him more and be more intentional with asking him um, just the ways that he, what he thinks about me and the ways that he loves me. And yeah, he's the king of my life. So why wouldn't I listen to what he says is true about me? So first, I wanted to ask you a question that a friend once asked me. Imagine this, your clone, an exact replica of you, walks in through the door and approaches you. Up to the point where you meet, when you become separate individuals, the clone has all your memories, your thoughts, and it shares your experiences, your mistakes, your relationships, and it has your personality. What would you do or how would you respond if you met your clone? After giving it some thought, I told him that I would cry. I told him that it would be such an emotional experience to meet someone who truly understood what I've experienced in my life and the sorrow that I've faced. Because while it is comforting to tell an empathetic friend your experience with something, they can never truly fathom exactly what you've been through and what you're feeling. Only Jesus can do that. Months passed since that question was presented to me. And through counseling, I realized that if I was honest with myself, I'd probably answer that question a little bit differently. I, while I would like to think that I would lovingly accept myself or my clone into my arms and feel compassion towards myself, I realized that I might actually respond with some bitterness, frustration, anger, and unforgiveness. For the past few months, I've been battling an anger towards myself for allowing myself to be mistreated in some of my relationships for so long. I've been frustrated with my inability to stand up for myself better 
and I've been bitter towards myself for not seeing my worth or value more clearly and for not loving myself very well. I've been unforgiving towards myself for the mistakes that I've made and even more unforgiving for repeatedly making the same mistakes. These thoughts and feelings towards myself have festered into a deep shame that has kept me feeling so trapped and lonely. However, God has been walking so faithfully alongside me in this journey of self-compassion. And God's character is one of deep compassion and forgiveness. Exodus 34 verses 6 to 7 says that the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God. He is slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. So because of Jesus, the shame that once had such a tight grip on my life is slowly releasing its hold. This journey of self-compassion is really, really new to me. Um, only in the past couple of weeks have I come to realize that those feelings of frustration and unforgiveness towards myself for not loving myself well was simply another way of not loving myself very well. So when we look to Matthew 22, verses 37 to 39, Jesus says that the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And he says that the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. It says, as yourself. That part really stands out to me. It's important to notice that it calls us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We have to respect ourselves as image bearers of God to have the ability to respect others as image bearers of God. God also desires for us to love ourselves because we're his children, and he absolutely adores us. Even as we were worshiping, I just felt God saying over and over, over me, but also over all of you, that he really delights in us. And like, I just kept hearing the word delight, and that just, I don't know, gives me goosebumps. Um, he sacrificed his beloved son for us, but the precious blood was spilt for us. He knit us together in our mother's womb with so much deliberation and purpose. Seeing ourselves the way God sees us is very important. 1 Corinthians verse 13 verses 4 and 5 says that love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. So often when I look at this passage, I see it as another way to love other people, However, it can also be the place where I discover how to love myself the way that God loves me. Because if we know that God is love, which he is, he is love, and it is his love that heals me and you, we can, be, we can view this passage from a different perspective. So 1 Corinthians 13 is saying, God is patient with me, and he keeps no record of my wrongs when I make mistakes, and when I make them again and again and again. God is kind to me when I have judgmental thoughts towards myself. God is not easily angered when I struggle to understand my worth. Seeing the passage in this way has helped me to understand how to better love myself the way that God loves me. Being challenged by God has also allowed me to see that I am called, and each and every one of you is called, to be more compassionate towards ourselves. Jesus evidently shows me compassion every day. And isn't self-compassion simply birthed from an active acceptance of Jesus' compassion towards us? I must learn to 
allow Jesus's love for me to transform the love I have for myself. So I challenge you to ask yourself honestly, how would you respond if your clone walked through the door? Would your response be one of compassion and forgiveness regardless of the mistakes that you've made? Do you see yourself the way that God sees you and your mistakes? Regardless of your answers, rest assured that you are worthy of self-compassion and love that is birthed from a deep acceptance of the love that Jesus gifts us with. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the way that you have walked so faithfully alongside me in this journey of self-compassion and how you've taught me how to love myself better. And I just pray too, Lord, that for those in the crowd, Lord, that are feeling a tug on their heart towards self-compassion or more forgiveness for themselves, Lord, would you speak to their hearts and show them the love that you have for them more deeply, that they would understand it in a way that they've never understood it before. Help us all come to that realization, Lord, that your love is so deep for us. Yeah, would you just walk alongside each of us in, in self-compassion and show us the forgiveness that you extend towards us every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Um, I'm going to invite Joseph, who's now going to share. Well, friends, as we get to share this morning our personal challenges of life and how we overcame through our relationship with our Savior Jesus Christ. It is my personal prayer this morning that you would find, you will find healing in the challenges you face in your own personal life. So one significant challenge that I would like to speak to you this, uh, is my own experience with self-doubt and low self-esteem. Matter of fact, if I had not found the truth, what I'm going to share with you today, I would have remained captive to it. Growing up in the middle class, good Christian family home in northern part of India, our home was in the middle of about 40 other non-Christian homes before a next Christian home comes by. So as a child growing up in that environment, my subconscious was always in, uh, engaged in finding why we were different in our walk and beliefs than those we loved and played with every day. That led me to think, that led me to think, are we, are we wrong? It caused self-doubt and consequently led me to think less of myself. I found that low self-esteem manifested in me it, it, feelings of inadequacy, feelings of insecurity, and a lack of self-worth. My biggest pitfall was that I always compared myself to others and not finding my own identity. Even though I face, I was facing these challenges, I am so grateful for my beloved parents, my parents, who always kept a steadfast rhythm for us to read Bible and pray every day. We had a practice in our home that we would not eat, get our dinner. We would not get a dinner until we finished singing and praying. And you might be thinking this would have made for a long wait time for the dinner, 
But it was quite common. It was quite common to sing and pray for before every dinner. And even some of the other, some of the other religions practice that. So, but I have really fond memories of those, those times. The difference was that we sang good old Christian songs, Sunday school songs, and we prayed to Jesus. I say this all to you to make, uh, give you an understanding where I began my journey as a believer in Jesus as my Lord. Yet, among all these things, it ling something lingered in me, a self-doubt and an identity that I struggled throughout my teens. In hindsight, I can look back and I believe the Lord uses those, used those moments to help me discover Jesus. I came across many religions and practices that were never able to convince me with the truth that I was looking to embrace. And so I quietly carried this challenge of self-doubt and self low self-esteem. There was something in me that wanted to know Jesus. And I remember going to numerous conventions or to crusades to know more of who I am to this Jesus that I know. I desperately wanted to be free of this struggle. One day, at one of the Swedish missionary conventions, I was sitting at the very back end of the area of the convention as it, and a kind of an elevated place so I could see the platform. After the preaching session over, the guest missionary pointed his finger towards me and he gave me a word. He said, the Lord Jesus loves you and wants you to know that you are his child. Take courage. This was my liberating moment. You know, you, you, sometimes when you hear the word, you know it is from the Lord. And it was a liberating moment and a Holy Spirit moment. Something miraculous happened to me that brought a new sense of self-worth and an identity in Christ. And a believer's identity in Christ speaks of them being a new creation. It is what Jesus did for me, the relationship he created with me, and the destiny he appointed for me. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 18, and Galatians 2.20 Bible says, the old self that lived apart from Christ is died, crucified with Christ. And the new self emerges, this is where I experience, the new, new self emerges living in the power of God from Christ-likeness to greater Christ-likeness. So this experience of feeling loved and acknowledged helped me to pivot myself my challenges of self-doubt and low self-esteem into a life of walking as an ambassador for Christ. An ambassador is one who is fully equipped, cared and loved, and sent out by the one who he or she is representing. I embrace this promise. The Lord Jesus loves me and that he, that he wants me to know that I'm his child and to take courage. Every day, even today, that word, that word that I receive resonates in me. Whenever I need to repeat that, I speak over me. The question for you today is, what do you need to hear this morning? What is the battle you are facing that makes you feel that you're just holding on? I will go through three scenarios. For those who are feeling unseen, the scripture says in Luke chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? 
Not one of them is forgotten by God. By the very hairs of your head are counted, are all counted. Therefore, don't be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. For those who of you are feeling unloved, Jeremiah 31.3, the Bible says, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. Romans 8.38-39 said, Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Thirdly, for those of you who are feeling forgotten, Isaiah 49.15-16, Can a woman, woman forget her nursing child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yes, they may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Now, knowing that we are deeply loved by our Savior, Jesus can, and Jesus can help us to overcome feelings of inadequacy, insecurity, and to see ourselves through God's eyes of love and acceptance. It is also important to remember that healing and growth in our relationship with ourselves and with our Savior is a journey. And it takes time, it takes effort to overcome challenges and develop a deeper understanding of ourselves and our relationship, relationship with our Savior Jesus. It is important to be patient with ourselves and to continue to seek Jesus, His truth, love, and guidance. We, the believers in the Lord Jesus, are called to be an ambassador. An ambassador rep represents the kingdom we, they belong to. They know where their strength lies. They are sent out to unfamiliar places. Perhaps God, perhaps God wants you to hear one of those truths today, this morning, and have that to be a change in your journey. It is important, to, to know, to, uh, in, important for us to, to see God as God sees us. God, Jesus, sees us blessed. He sees us righteous. He sees us successful. He sees us victorious. He sees us beautiful. He sees us talented. He sees us highly favored and much more. I want to leave, leave you with this final verse from Isaiah 41.10. The scripture says, So do not fear. For I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Thank you. Next, let's invite Samuel to come. Hello. Uh, yeah, I'm Samuel. Thank you, Joseph. So I, I kind of feel like telling you that I really struggled with this talk. And uh, it, it, it was in incredibly difficult for, for many different reasons. Uh, and I don't have time to get into all of that. But through a process of uh, immense anger towards God, uh, and a, and a consequential cleaning spree, because when I get angry, I clean. Uh, so through a process of anger and cleaning, <laughs> I, 
I came to a place of, eventually, by the grace of God, total surrender. Where I just, I just knowing God's love for me and, and being completely at rest, I began to write. And, and this is what came out. My mind and my body fail me every day. I want so badly to think good thoughts, to have good and healthy desires, to become better, but my soul refuses to change. And my mind refuses to overcome the waywardness of of my body. It won't do it. I am completely lost, and I have been my whole life. Since I was young, I have wanted to do right, to live well, to please God and, and, and please my parents. I wanted to be somebody that others could respect and look up to, someone wise and knowledgeable. I wanted to be seen as a godly man, upright in everything I do. And the list goes on. I had a grand image of who I wanted others to see me as. And I can't help but think I'm not alone in this. Maybe your list is different, but how many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have had an image of yourself, of of something you wanted to be, that you are not currently something better? And how many of you have succeeded in fulfilling that image? Growing up, I, I would say, in the eyes of others, I had varying success in accomplishing this image of myself. Not total success, but some. But since I've been married and had kids, and marriage and kids is not the issue, but since I've been married and had kids, I have completely failed at being who I wanted to be. I have failed as a husband, as a father. I have been selfish and greedy and lustful and bitter and angry. I failed as a friend. I've been a neglectful son and brother to my siblings. And above all of that, I have failed as a Christian. All this failure has produced in me deep shame, an abysmal self-image, and a shattered self-confidence. And then two and a half years ago, I met Jesus. And now I had a new image of what I wanted to be. I wanted to be someone who walked in freedom, not bound by sin and darkness. I wanted to be somebody who lived a life of holiness and righteousness before God, walking in the Spirit, loving radically, being full of life and joy and peace. I wanted to move in power, healing and raising the dead and casting out demons. I wanted to be someone 
that was wise and had highest understanding. But above all, I wanted to be one with my father, living in unceasing union with him. I wanted to be like Jesus. But let me tell you, over the past two and a half years, I have fought tooth and nail to become like him. And I have completely failed. And in the process, I have discovered in increasing measure that I am entirely a wretched human being and truly the worst of all sinners. But here's the good news. The I, me, the complete failure and wretch is dead. I have died. You see, when I put my faith in Jesus, when I first believed in the word that came to me in the gospel of Jesus Christ and I accepted him as my savior, God united me together with him and I received everything that Jesus is. I received his righteousness, I received his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. I have died. As Paul says in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And in Colossians 3, since then you have been raised and seated with Christ, set your mind on things above where Christ is. Set your hearts on things above, not on things beneath. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Because the problem is, if I see myself, if, if, I, if my eyes are on myself, I will create in my own mind a gap between who I am, what I do, where I'm at, and who Jesus is, and what he does and where he's at. And perceiving that gap, I will reach. I will reach to become the thing that I am not currently. And in reaching, if I fail, I will be ashamed. And if I succeed, I will go into pride. So when Christ died and offered all of who he is to us, he erased that whole system. So I fix my eyes on him and him alone. There's no, there's no weighing myself. There's no self-perception. Only Myself, who is the image of Christ. And that is my freedom. That is my life. That is the power of the gospel unto salvation. And you have heard from Rochelle the kindness of God towards you. He loves you and he will do it. He will complete the work. You heard from Joseph the testimony that God God calls out of you who you are. He speaks 
in so many ways. So believe in a father who loves you. Jesus is the revelation, the perfect image of his love for you. Believe that he is that immense, incredible love and goodness towards you. And you will know a freedom like you have never experienced. Amen. Wonderful. I think it's powerful to hear a story. And I read a quote from, uh, from Frederick Buechner, because I think sometimes when we consider stories and we hear them from others and we, we hear them fleshed out, we think to ourselves, that's not my story. My story doesn't have the same weight, same consequence, same gravity to it. It, it, it couldn't actually have the same kind of impact. But this is what Beekner says. He, he, he says that my story is important not because it is mine, God knows, but because if I tell you it anything like right, the chances are you will recognize that in many ways it is also yours. The chances are you will recognize that in many ways it's also yours. And it's precisely through these stories in their particularity that God makes himself known to each of us more powerfully and personally. It means that to lose track of our stories is to be profoundly impoverished, not only humanly, but spiritually. So this is my invitation to you this morning. The stories that have been shared, perhaps you hear your story in the midst of it. Searching for self-compassion, dealing with the struggle of self-doubt, a fractured sense of self all throughout all the responsibilities that we hold. Maybe that resonates with where you are sitting in your own story. But don't just hear the first part, hear the second. That in the midst of the struggle with self, there was hope that was found through a relationship with Jesus. The revelation of his love, the hope of his sacrifice and resurrection that brought life in the midst of the struggle with self that renewed and restored and redeemed and led each of them down a path that they are still walking to discover who God has made them to be. And that is the path that you're invited to walk today. That in the midst of your story, the struggle you might be feeling within yourself, the love, the hope, the freedom that is promised through Christ wants to meet you where you're at, take you by the hand, and continue to walk down this path of healing and freedom and renewal that he wants for each and every one of us. Where is your story in the midst of the ones told today? Wherever it might be, the God of the universe is, will meet you right there with open hearts, open hands, and open arms to receive you.
to hold you and to pick you up. So it starts today with a response. And we're going to create a, a space for that. I'm going to invite our, our prayer team to come and grab the communion elements. We're going to partake in communion this morning together. And as we continue to worship, worship team, you can join me at the front as well. As we continue to worship, I want to invite you to the table. And the table is a beautiful place. It's, it's a high High priority, it's a symbol for us at City Collective that we really do spend time leaning into. That the table is this space that we are all invited to. We started this year off together talking about relationships and, and the table is this relational space. I don't know how you enjoy food, but I love to eat. It's funny because we're in this period of fasting it's the, and I, I, I just kind of like miss food. Like I just miss the, the, the space of sharing a meal with, with someone. It, it's, a, it's a different activity, but it, it's something that we're invited to, into in our relationship with Christ. This relational activity of coming to the table and receiving what he's been given to us. So this is the invitation we find at the table. We're invited to bring our full selves we're invited to bring our complete stories. We're invited to bring all that makes us complicated in our relationships. And here we share that one meal with those who we might not have thought we would have shared anything with. Because this is the beautiful meal that Christ offers to us. It's not just the bread and the wine that Jesus is talking about. It's the way that Christ offers himself as the connection point for all of humanity. On that night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he took the wine and he said, this is my body and this is my blood, offered that you might come and sit with each other in remembrance of the way that God moved toward you. So would you stand to your feet? And the invitation is before you today. To come not because you must, but because you may. To come to the table to testify, not that you are righteous, but that you desire to love Jesus. To come to the table not because you are strong, but precisely because you are weak to come to the table not because you have any claim on God's grace but because in your frailty you stand in constant need of a new breath and life to come and find you not to proclaim belief or doctrine but simply to welcome God's presence and to experience God's spirit today we're going to read this this declaration together as a church, we can put up on the screen. So would you read this with me? Thank you for inviting us to this banquet. Thank you that our story, your story is our story. Your peace is our peace. Your power is our power. Your life is our life. Help us remember the gift we have received and to live in unity. As we come to the table, May your healing wash over the wounds of our lives. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it encouraged and blessed you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.